Welcome to Worship with the Old Presbyterian Meeting House in Alexandria, Virginia, brought to you at a time when we join you in practicing social distancing to curb the pandemic virus. This sermon podcast is from our online virtual worship service that you can find through our website at opmh.org. We pray that in the not-too-distant future we will welcome you in person when you visit us in Old Town, Alexandria. Good morning, and welcome to worship at the Old Presbyterian Meeting House. Wherever you are on your journey of faith, know that you are welcome here as we celebrate rally month coming back together online and looking forward to joining together in small groups outdoors soon the lord be with you let us worship god Today's scripture reading comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 18, verses 21 through 35. Listen for the word of God. Then Peter came and said to him, Lord, if another member of the church sins against me, how often should I forgive? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, Not seven times, but I tell you, seventy-seven times. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. When he began the reckoning, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him, and as he could not pay, his Lord ordered him to be sold, together with his wife and children and all his possessions, and payment to be made. So the slave fell on his knees before him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the Lord of that slave released him and forgave him the debt. 
But that same slave, as he went out, came upon one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii, and seizing him by the throat, he said, Pay what you owe. Then his fellow slave fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you. But he refused. Then he went and threw him into prison until he would pay the debt. When his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their Lord all that had taken place. Then his Lord summoned him and said to him, You wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not have had mercy on your fellow slave as I had had mercy on you? And in anger, his Lord handed him over to be tortured until he would pay his entire debt. So my heavenly Father will also do to every one of you, if you do not forgive your brother or sister from your heart. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. As most of you know, this is the Sunday we usually celebrate as Rally Day. A day for launching a new year of worship services, educational programs, and service ministries. And Rally Day usually brings us a guest speaker and an opportunity to get reacquainted with each other as we share a lunch on the church lawn. This year, of course, things are different. This year, we are still worshiping remotely, unable to see each other in person, unable to sing and pray and study and eat with each other as we have done in previous years. And as if life during this pandemic was not challenging enough all by itself, we are living in what historians will surely note as one of the most toxic periods in the life of our country. While we don't have a guest speaker to rally us, we do have a text that can rally us to the cause at hand. And given all the challenges we are facing these days, I think you will find it a much-needed word from the Lord. Let us pray. O God, by your Spirit, tell us what we need to hear and show us what we ought to do to obey Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. Peter is at it again. You will remember Peter from the previous week's lessons. He's the one who in one breath identifies Jesus as the Messiah, the son of the living God. And in the next breath rebukes Jesus for saying he must undergo great suffering and be killed. Well, now a week or two later, he comes to Jesus with a question. How often should I forgive? As many as seven times? Knowing what we do about rabbinic teaching in those days, Peter's suggested answer to his own question seems a bit extreme. In those days, to forgive once was generous. To be let down again and forgive a second time was exemplary. But to be let down for a third time and forgive, well, that was above and beyond the call of duty. So let's give Peter some credit. He's thinking big, 
hoping perhaps that Jesus will be impressed by his growing faith. But Jesus is not impressed because Peter does, still does not understand how life is to be lived in God's kingdom. Not seven times, I tell you, but 77 times, says Jesus. And scholars point out the number itself is meaningless. It's an absurd exaggeration meant to press a larger point. If you are keeping track, you are not really forgiving. You are simply waiting for someone to cross some line, generously drawn perhaps, but a line nonetheless. In other words, Jesus is calling the whole numbers game into question. If you are keeping count, you are not really forgiving. I'm guessing Jesus's answer came as a bit of a shock to Peter because it still comes as a bit of a shock all these years later. I mean, why would anyone forgive some other person over and over again? And how is that prudent or even possible? To paraphrase Caroline Lewis, we live in and feel more comfortable with a way of relating to others that is quantifiable and transactional. We prefer to know how much we have to give and what we will get in return. And this seems especially true when it comes to forgiveness. But why is that, asked Lewis? Why do we want and need forgiveness to be something we can count and control? Well, I'm guessing that like us, Peter found it hard to understand why Jesus would ask him to throw away his ledger and stop counting. But Jesus, being Jesus, presses his point with a parable. Note again the absurd exaggeration. The servant owes the king 10,000 talents. Calculating this number is nearly impossible. And that is the point. But for those of you still into numbers, I can tell you that 10,000 talents would have been equal to about 150,000 years of income for the typical worker in first century Palestine. Like I said, the whole story is absurd. There is no way a slave could owe this much. And there is no way on earth a slave could repay this much money, making his promise to do so equally absurd. And there's certainly no way the king would forgive such an enormous debt. Clearly, Jesus is using hyperbolic language to teach Peter and to teach us about the nature of forgiveness. Jesus wants us to know that forgiveness is not something to be doled out according to some calculation. It is meant to be a constant, a way 
No, the way of living with and relating to others. Martin Luther King put it this way, forgiveness is not an occasional act. It is a constant attitude. Well, friends, what it all comes down to is this. Without forgiveness, there can be no real community. Given what we know about Peter from the rest of Matthew's gospel, I think it is somewhat ironic that he, of all people, would be the one to try and put a limit on forgiveness. Just think of all the times Peter fails to live up to his calling, all the time he fails his community, all the times he needs to be forgiven. As Aubrey West suggests, Peter's ignorance of his own need for forgiveness provides a caveat for Jesus's followers today. Do we recognize the ways that we harm others, either in our interpersonal interactions or through the systems in which we participate? And how might we become aware of our own capacity to sin against others as we are of the capacities of others to sin against us? Given all that is going on around us these days, I find these questions to be extremely important. Do we recognize the various ways we personally harm others, either by what we say and do or fail to say and do? Do we see how often we talk down to other people, particularly people who look and think differently from us? And can we even begin to count the number of times we have insulted them, ignored them, used or abused them in some way? Do we see how we've cut them off, left them to fend for themselves or worse, made it more difficult for them to live a full and meaningful life? Furthermore, do we recognize the ways we collectively harm others through the systems in which we all participate? Can we see how we have allowed our banks and businesses, our local and federal agencies, our healthcare systems, our lawmakers, and our police officers to discriminate against the poor and the powerless, especially those of color? Like Peter, we have a lot to learn from Jesus. And like Peter, we need forgiveness as much or more than anyone else, both for what we have done and for what we have failed to do. On this point, I'm grateful for our Dismantling Racism team for helping us address questions like these. Because, let's face it, until we can own such questions and admit our own need for forgiveness, we are not likely to want to forgive others. It bears noting at this point that in Matthew's gospel, forgiveness is relational and reciprocal. 
Earlier, when, G, when teaching his disciples to pray, Jesus instructs them to say, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. According to Carl Jacobson, this petition is echoed in today's parable about the kingdom, reflecting it back in reverse. We ought to forgive as our king has already forgiven us. As Jacobson puts it, in answering the disciples' request for help in praying, Jesus teaches them that forgiveness, both the giving and receiving of it, is in fact reciprocal. One cannot have it without doing it. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive your trespasses. And in answering Peter's request for help and understanding how far forgiveness needs to go, Jesus teaches that God's forgiveness surpasses both our deserving and our comprehension of it. We who have first been forgiven must forgive those who have wronged us. Friends, the point of today's lesson is clear and its demands are urgent. Forgiveness lies at the heart of our faith in God and our love for one another. Forgiveness which we receive from God time and time again is what Jesus expects from his followers in their dealings with others. To borrow again from Jacobson, the prayer, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, puts the emphasis on what we will receive in turn for the forgiveness we have offered. And the parable turns the table, teaching us that we have been first forgiven and then encouraging us to forgive our brothers and sisters in return. Taken together, says Jacobson, this is a complete picture of the kingdom of God, a kingdom driven by forgiveness. It is important to note that this teaching comes as the last in a series of teachings that Jesus gives to his disciples regarding the practices that are necessary to build up the community of faith. As Chuck Campbell points out, at the heart of these practices is forgiveness not as an isolated act, but as an ongoing activity among members of the community. And within this context, there can be no limit on forgiveness because it is a never ending practice that is essential to the life of the church. Well, this I believe is why Jesus says to Peter and to us, if you have to count how many times you are forgiving, you do not understand the kind of community in which you are engaging. Some of you may have noticed that I have yet to address the more ominous portion of Jesus's parable. The part about the unforgiving servant being locked up and tortured until he extends forgiveness. Well, I want to assure you that this part of the parable is no more literal than the amount of debts that are owed. 
To be sure, in Matthew's gospel, many of Jesus' parables conclude with warnings about a final judgment for those who misuse God's gifts and refuse to walk in God's ways. Still, Matthew's gospel is infused with the promise of God's forgiveness offered in and through Jesus. Forgiveness for all people, even the most sinful. And as I see it, this is reason enough for you and for me to try and be more forgiving toward others. As I noted in my remarks before the sermon, this is the Sunday that we normally celebrate as Rally Day. And given the toxicity of the moment, I can think of no better way to rally our congregation, to rally the church at large, and perhaps even rally our country than to acknowledge our own need for forgiveness and our obligation to forgive others. Knowing that life is more than a numbers game, I pray we can rise to the challenge. Amen. As God's own people, I charge you to be merciful in action, kindly in heart, and humble in mind, and be always ready to forgive as freely as God has forgiven you. And may the blessings of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you and all God's people this day and every day. Amen.